I think games, Matthew, are like pick and mix. You know, you're not always in the mood to eat the same pick and mix all over again. You want a bag full of different flavors and uh, different sensations. You wouldn't want to have a whole bag of white chocolate buttons. I mean, I get where you're coming from, Forrest Gump. But sometimes you do want a nice bag of chocolate buttons uh, that are the same. Um, A bit like Pokemon Snap, which we're going to talk about today. It's Tom and Matt Attack. Nice segue, Matthew. I, I wasn't sure where that was going, but I was trying to just sum up my current state of mind regarding video games. Right. Okay. Let's get I dip into in that and then. out of. I dip in and out of games. I can't. I don't have the staying power to finish anything, as you well know. Yeah. No, I know that. But I mean, like the pick a mix analogy for me was one of those, and a bit of inside <laughs> baseball, listeners. If you hadn't been able to tell after two hundred and fifty odd episodes, we don't really plan these introductions. So I was like, where are you going with this? But like. As someone yeah, who will go to a cinema, pay over the odds for a pick a mix, and just like stuff it into my face, I, I don't know if that analogy holds for me personally. No, you would still don't want the same thing. The, the the idea of pick a mix is it's a mix. You choose what you want, and then you mix it up. Yeah, but at the same time, it's not like you you go in randomly and go like. Oh, I'm gonna have twelve of those. I'm gonna grab a massive handful of these things that I have no idea about. Whereas I think, well, maybe potentially you might look maybe at something you, and go you know, look you at that. You can judge them on their appearance. You could judge them on what other people, if other people you know are enjoying them, and think perhaps this is worth trying myself. Okay, maybe this has more salt. Yeah, than I'm you, know, credit I, for. I, you know, I thought about this, Matt. I thought about okay. this for all the five seconds before <laughs> um, starting that intro. Fair enough. Anyway. How are you doing this week? I'm taking the reins this time because you told me before you didn't want to. I didn't want to do the intro. That was more the thing. And then, like, immediately you jumped into project management mode. You were like, right, have you got any notes? What have you What have you been playing this week? What do you want to talk yeah, about? Yeah. Should we touch I, on this? I, I demand, okay. you know, I demand you to have thought this out, Matthew, in, in, in much of the same way that I thought that intro out. Exactly. So five seconds ahead. Got it. Mm. Um, I'm all right, thanks. Um getting getting better getting stronger and all that i did outdoor yoga yesterday tom parry um what, what? Was, what? i did outdoor yoga <laughs> oh, first thing I in the morning do yoga i thought it was uh, yoga with a female deer no no, no I... female deer is that a doe a deer a female deer it yeah. is of course a it doe is. a deer Ray, a female a deer drop of sun yeah. yeah i thought you would have gone with like uh either pizza or bread making yoga which to be fair i could see the appeal in this is like you know stretch your breads do your breathing and all of that tell me about yoga i'm gonna cut that out of the podcast that's a that's a a million dollar idea tom i don't want anyone to steal bread yoga um tying yourself into knots you need to do it oh god there's so many puns tom it's world laughter day as you told me before the start of this podcast. Yeah, we're recording this on on world laughter day and, and matthew boyle said to me none of that we're we going to intro about <laughs> world laughter day no 
<laughs> I mean, we Sorry. just finished talking about the Enders game movie, which is pretty serious. <laughs> Anyways, um, just to say I'm on the mend. I'm starting to get back out there and do sporty things and whatever. I'm feeling okay. How are you? I need to do that. I'm so unfit. I'm so unfit. I can't go up the stairs <laughs> where I live. And there's quite a lot of stairs up to my flat and uh, they wear me out every time. I used to, oh, when no. I was going into the office to work, I would climb all the stairs to, our, what was it, fifth floor office. Yeah. And, uh, you know, doing it every day, I did start to feel like, oh, you know, I'm getting quite fit. Yeah. But, you know, every time I tackle these stairs here where I live, uh, yeah, they get me every time. So maybe I do, need to get fit. I mean, you, you could, or you could just put on the Rocky training theme and run up them, and then you'll feel a sense of accomplishment as you wave your arms in the air at the top. I was carrying a large box. A large box full of Super Saiyans? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't very heavy, to be honest. But gonna... Mostly it was packing material. Anyway, going off on a tangent here, I want to talk to you, Matthew, about video games, and specifically what video games you've been enjoying recently. Go. Um, enjoying is a strong word. No, I kid. I've been playing, obviously, as I alluded to in the introduction, a bit of Pokemon Snap. But I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put that out there, Tom, as an appetizer for that conversation, and uh, pivot uh, to a game I've been playing called Say No More, um, which is a game that you've probably not heard of. Game, uh, so... it sounds very negative. No, laugh today. It isn't. Um, it, it's from a German independent studio called Studio Fizzbin, and I had heard someone talk about it, and it was on. It's on Steam, um, on iOS, I believe, as well, but also it's on the Nintendo Switch, and uh, the game has been billed as the first uh, NPG, uh, no role, pl- uh, no playing game, because all you really do throughout the game is. You are an intern starting at a big company that is this nameless thing. And essentially, everyone is taking advantage of you as an intern. And people are like, oh, make me coffee. The printer is jammed. And then essentially what happens is this manager of yours steals your lunchbox. And in the lunchbox is a... A lunch, a packed lunch that has been made in this pretty unicorn lunchbox for you by your roommate, who, in the introduction, you kind of, it's kind of been established that he's taking advantage of you a little bit in that he's asking you to pay the full rent on the apartment you both live in, and you don't have the power to say no to him, and you go into this office, and essentially what happens is you bang your head on the desk of like, oh god, I'm so frustrated, and. Y- outfalls an old cassette player with like a motivational tape on it um, from a big burly Hulk Hogan looking fitness man because you see him when you're listening to the tape he kind of materialises and Is he more Hulk Hogan or more uh, Matra Man? Definitely more Hulk Hogan because okay. he's, he, he's a, a blonde guy in spandex to be fair he could be any like 80s yoga instructor or anything like okay, that. Okay, fair enough, okay. Uh, and so he he gives you the power to say no. And essentially what you're doing is just running around this office. Uh, it's an it's kind of like auto-runner. There's no way to really fail it. People come up to you, 
and start repeating the same things like, hey, intern, make me coffee. Uh, can you work overtime tonight? Blah, 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 blah. And all you ah. can really do is, with the power of the A or B button or whatever button you press, is say no at them. And Oh, that must be quite empowering. It is, and I think that is the whole spiel of it. And I, I beat it. The game's around two hours long, I think. That's quite and long you... for just pressing a button for now. Yeah, it, yes. And to be honest with you, I think it could have been a little bit shorter. It's very, it's very idealistic. Yeah. Obviously, it's kind of got a message of people... Like, throughout it, you start talking to the colleagues in the office and kind of empowering them to also say no. And it starts talking about workers' rights versus the rights of a big company and all of this kind of stuff. And obviously, as you go through it, you do get new abilities as you listen to the tape more. So you get, like, a charged no, which can, like, blow people through walls if you need to. Like, there's very imposing figures in the office, like bosses and managers and CEOs and stuff, and you need to be able to, like, blow them away with a really confident no that you charge up like a mega buster. Um, and it's on a little meter, so there is the ability to overcharge your no, in which you kind of get a bit too hyped up and, like, have so- to breathe in and out. It sounds to me like it... Does it look like an RPG, then? No, it doesn't. Um, It's very... I don't even know how to place the aesthetics of it. It's very, like, pixel, like, low-poly, like, early early PS1 slash uh, maybe early PS2 N64 era. Okay, so is it first-person, or...? No, it's uh, third-person. You're all you're you're playing over the shoulder of this guy. Who's over the no. shoulder, you know. First, that when you started talking about it, I was seeing it's two D side scrolling pixels, no. and then I started to think, oh, did it look like Final Fantasy? Have we got like an overhead bit, and then uh, you know a battle system type, and that? But yeah, I, the last thing I would have thought of <laughs> would be no. a third person. <laughs> the closest parallel I have to it is probably Incredible Crisis. Oh. Oh, and how it looks in terms yeah. of its graphics. But also kind of its quirky humour, even though it's clearly got like a message of like empowering yeah. workers and everything yeah. else. And like yeah. throughout the story, you help people form a union and all of these other things. It's definitely like pro workers' rights. And that kind of. Okay. When I played it at the start, I was just like, oh, this is just going to be like a ridiculous thing and you're going to start in an office and, you know, maybe you will go take on whatever, like the president of this fictional country or whatever and say no. But it is very much centered around like the idea of office politics and the ideas of rights of workers and everything else. It's quite charming. Like, I, y- yeah. you can do some other little things as well. Like, you get the ability to, like, laugh before you say a no and say no in a different way. In fact, at the start of the game, there's quite a nice character customization option. So you can make yourself or you can make another fictional character if you want to out of it, which is quite cool. Um, and also, you get to pick the language in which you say no. And so oh, cool. okay. I, I, I naturally, it being a German studio, just for my own giggles, uh, was running around going, nine, nine, at people. Um, which, yeah, it's got a heavy Japanese aesthetic, though, hasn't it? It, it is very, very inspired by <laughs> Very incredible crisis, as you say. Yeah, exactly, of Japanese games. Yeah. It's cool. I, I yeah, enjoyed yeah. my time with it. It's... Yeah, it was a fun game. Like It was a fun experience. I do think it has a worthwhile message, and I think... Even as someone of myself who obviously like believes in workers' rights and 
it perhaps you know isn't that jaded by the idea of like capitalism and working for a big company and everything else i felt that sometimes it was a bit oh, okay like i get why you would want to say this but i i also you know i don't know what it's like to work in a german office i don't know if this kind of weird corporate hierarchy systems you see in like american sitcoms and stuff actually exists within europe because i haven't experienced it so I don't know. It's a game with a positive message. I think it's quite fun. I think it's quite quirky. It does yeah. toe into that whole, like, yeah, we're going to have these positive talks with our friends and you shouldn't judge mm. your friends. Like, It's got a lot to say. It's a lot. It, it's, yeah, sure. it's fun and it's positive. I liked it. I, I would recommend if you're looking for something a little bit cool. quirky. But maybe not play it in one sitting like I did because I think if you took a little bit of a break from it, maybe it would stay a bit fresher if you played it in like two well, or it's, three. Well, it's quite expensive for a relatively short game. I see it's like £14 in the UK. Yeah. Um. Hey, like I've played, I've paid more for games I've enjoyed less. I mean, the game we're going to talk about in a minute, Tom, Pokemon Snap, is a 50 quid game and that is apparently about nine hours. So, you know. Okay. Well, I'm about to talk about a quirky game available for Nintendo Switch currently for under ten pounds. It offers over fifteen hours of gameplay. Wow! 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 Okay. Was it? Are you ready for this? No. I'm. I, I'm. I'm strapping myself in, Tom. What oh. is it? Well, this game, and you may have heard of it already, is Horace. It's been out a little while. Um, it's been hailed as a masterpiece uh, by several uh, journalists, and it's um. It is something else entirely. It's very much story-driven. Right. It's a, it's a heavy story-driven platform game with a quirky British sense of humour that touches on some quite um, emotional ground, okay? Okay. Um, but also, it, it also uh, is, is a bit of a love letter to video games as well. It's, uh, it's quite a fascinating game. Uh, here on the Nintendo website describes it as a classic platform that tells an emotional and surprisingly rich tale of self-discovery peppered with nostalgic popular culture references that will bring a smile to any gamer who enjoys the 8 and 16-bit era. And I think more specifically, um, uh, uh, Amiga, Atari, Amiga or Atari computers of the time, right. those sort of... Uh, that sort of because it's British, you know, and you always associate old British pixel games with uh, the computers of the time. But it does actually have several nods to classic arcade games such as Pong and Space Harrier and uh, Outrun, and the the main character does have a an interest in video games. So to tell you, just give you a brief sort of synopsis of the oh, story. Oh, I do recognise this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's an old man, uh, an old woman, and their daughter, and there's a, there's a butler and the old man's brother and who else is in there? And the driver, okay? So they're a pretty well-to-do family. And one day they buy a robot. Definitely got Bicentennial Man vibes. Yeah. The, the game starts off with you as Horace, the robot, learning how to walk and uh, jump and it's teaching you the basic platforming mechanics of the game. Um, there's he heavy cutscenes throughout uh, but rather than being uh, something you want to skip, they really are the core of the game, I would say. Right. And uh, the interactions between the the family members and Horace, uh, charming, witty, very funny. For example, the driver used to be a, a criminal. Uh, he was a getaway driver originally, 
and uh, there's a point in it. He's a bit of, you know, a bit of a dodgy geezer. It's a bit where you're asked, you're tasked with tidying up uh, the house. And he says, if you find it, uh, well, naturally, it's like an old sort of barn. And he says, if you find any mushrooms in there, be sure to bring them to me. And then later on in the story, he takes an overdose of mushrooms at a Halloween party. And, <laughs> right. and he's in a rock band. He, start, he, he climbs up to the top of the house and starts playing his guitar on the roof. And it's up to um, Horace to get up there and save him. So your need for platforming is very much dictated by the twists and turns the story takes. Yeah. So you learn to avoid obstacles. A lot of it's like avoiding electricity at the beginning of fire and stuff. There's a bit where you have to rescue a family from a burning house. But it's all those story beats that instigate the platforming sections. Okay. Um. Uh, it, it's quite touching in places, you know. It it deals with what's your sort of what's your purpose in life, and I think uh, at one point uh, Horace sort of asks that of himself, and his um, <laughs> his owner, the old man, says it's like, well, it's uh, cleaning that can be your purpose, and he's like, oh, that's not specific enough. He says, well, how about this? Tidy up a million things. And so then Horace's main purpose in life becomes to tidy up exactly a million things. So, (laughs) but that's sort of really on the back burner of the main story because everywhere you go, there's things lying around. And so you're picking them up, but there doesn't really feel like a point to it. You don't necessarily have to pick them up unless the game tells you you have to pick so many things up for whatever reason. It's sort of like Horace is doing it or you're doing it as a player because you think that's your purpose in life. But actually... The events in the story that unfold as you play are really Horace's life. You yeah. Know? Do you um, do you think yeah, perhaps that is a a comment on the idea of like video games and everything else of like? Yes, I think it's all a comment on video games. Really, at one point the game talks about how much Horace, when he discovers TV and he discovers uh, books, you know, and all that sort of media, the uh, music specifically, and then yeah. video games. And he says, out of all the things he's been introduced to, he feels that video games are the highest art form. And right. I think Horace is a perfect example of someone using a video game to create what is essentially art. Okay. Right. That's a big statement to unpack, Tom Parry. Um, <laughs> so well, it's, it's a film, you know, you know as, as in um, a film is art. A video game is also art. Well, yeah, no, I, I yes, I, I agree with you. I mean, like, I would say the same thing of things like Journey and even Near Automata to yeah, a certain absolutely. extent. Yeah, absolutely. It's got that extra level that elevates it from the point of just doing like menial tasks or jobs as as the game you know has you do or you know it encourages you to do when yeah. actually it is reaching for something a lot more it's re- reaching that ca- that for that experience you get when you watch a film and you get something more about it something more to think about and a lot of games do it i mean this isn't just the only example of a game that reaches to that level but it does it in such a way that it's charming and the gameplay is actually solid enough and interesting enough to keep you playing. The platforming yeah. is very well done. And you can see all those little uh, nods to video games, even in the way Horace runs, for example. He, he puts his arms behind him like Sonic when he runs. And right. it's incredibly subtle, but you can see that the creator of the game, I think it's all made by one man, Paul. Yeah. Oh, actually, sorry, it's from two guys, Paul Hellman and Sean Scapelhorn. Okay. 
Right. So maybe they've got a designer and an artist there, perhaps. Potentially. But, uh, yeah, I, I would recommend it. I would recommend it very much. As a fan of platformers, uh, I'm happy that's the core gameplay. Well, yeah, of course. Because that, that, that keeps me going. But also, the story's that good. And when a game actually has a story that makes you want to see the next thing, you don't know what's going to happen next. It's not a very predictable game. And it's constantly charming. It's const- the humour's consistent, I would say. So yeah. that also helps it go down pretty well. And yeah, it's usually 11 quid. At the moment, it's in a sale for £6.59 uh, in the UK. And uh, I would say, if you like platformers, if you like British humour, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's incredibly British, I, I would say, um, then Horace is definitely a game you should uh, check out. I'm not going to lie to you, right? Like, I went through the sales stuff. I ended up picking up uh, some bits and bobs. I need to actually look at my Switch to tell you the exact name of the games yeah. I picked up beyond this one. And the. Like, I looked at Horace and I thought, oh, that. I've heard some things about that. But I was kind of. Even within the thumbnail, and perhaps this says more about my views of the UK at the moment than it does about Horace, yeah. bless it. But, like, I saw a man in a top hat. And yes. I, in, in, well, he's, he's like a trilby, right? Like he's wearing. Yeah. And I saw his blue suit and his red tie with, like, the white vertical, like, cut going through the jacket yeah. as, he, yeah. like, a big union jack. And I was Did like, you no, think I was generic? Like, Do you think no? I just British? I just thought there was like a, a a weird like oh isn't Britain grand vibe about it because there there or... isn't there isn't really it's it's quite no. somber because at one point in the in the story, uh, Horace is out of action for a considerable amount of time, and they've insinuated that how terrible war is at the beginning of the game. Horace wakes up. This is a spoiler. Okay, spoiler alert for Horace. Very Don't early spoil, on the I game. I want to play it. No, let's not uh, okay, spoil it. Okay, I, I so it. It, like it touches on war. It touches on war and doesn't really touch upon the fact it's British in other than its aesthetic and its humour. Yeah. It's not patriotic in any any way, I wouldn't I wouldn't okay. say. Okay. That's good. Uh, like to be honest, like you you've sold me on this game. When you said it was like a love letter to video games. I'm also kind of at the moment grappling with this idea of the things like Ready Player One that are just like, do you get it? Do you get it? Look, look, we put Pong in this thing. Look, oh, look, there's Godzilla. Do you, oh, you love Godzilla, don't well, you? Well, you know, the, the way it's done in Horace isn't rammed down your throat at every instance. No, it's done it in a very subtle. clever way that it's not, hey, look, here's Outrun. The, the, the bit where you see Outrun is part of a dream sequence Horace has where he's sort of... Uh, transcending into consciousness once again after being yeah. shut down for um, a period of time. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you sold me on it when you said Bicentennial Man, and, like, the way you've talked <laughs> about this game has made me go, like, okay, maybe actually this is something worth looking at. And something well, Horace doesn't understand people. He's, like, learning. Like like in that film, Robin Williams' character in that, you know, he's he's learning to understand people. People aren't sure about him. Um, to begin with, but his master obviously thinks very highly of Horace, and it's actually Horace starts off without a hat, actually, and that that hat, it's not just a prop; it's quite important to the story. 
Uh, also looking at him here, I also reminded how Horace has an ability to walk on ceilings later on yeah. uh, in, in the game. And uh, that's when he gets his special boots. And when he gets his special boots, which were a gift from his master, he uh, he's able to walk on the ceiling and his tie flaps downwards oh, when he's on the funny. ceiling. And there's a little bit where he sort of rearranges his tie when he when he lands, you know. Yeah. And the work that's gone into the, the artwork in this game is it's really astounding because the environments are very varied. You yeah. When he goes from each place to one place to another, you think, wow, you know, the amount of work that's gone into this. Um and it's very interesting how they zoom in on pixels quite a lot. You see the pixels blown up really big in places. And it's like I've never seen a game that looks quite like Horace before. Yeah. It takes that, that sort of 2D aesthetic and it really it really runs with it. That 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 sorry, that 2D pixel aesthetic. Yeah. And really embraces that in a in a way that I don't think a lot of other sort of nostalgic pixel based games do. No. It uses it in a in a different sort of way where yeah, you don't often zoom in on pixels in the way there's even bits where they do pull focus on pixels, so it's like uh, the characters in the uh, foreground are blurred, you know, when it I means a very simple effect and it sort of looks like the the blurring in a, a uh, on an emulator for example. Yeah. But uh, it works that they use these sort of cinematic techniques on the pixels to tell a story in a very cinematic fashion. Anyway, I could sort of gush about uh, how impressed I was about it for a while. Uh, seeing that it's 15 hours gets me worried. Yeah. But I probably played it for like two hours this morning. It didn't feel like two hours. So Okay, that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah, to, to go back to me scrolling through the, <laughs> the store because um, it probably puts where my frame of mind is. I will pick up Horace. It sounds like a good game. And like if you're if you're saying that the references aren't rammed down your throat and everything else, and there does seem to be a lot of love put into it, and it's doing yeah, something certainly. new, I'll check it out. I, I scroll... think, you know, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Sorry. I scrolled through that store. I, I picked up um, one game called Wide Ocean Big Jacket, which looks like quite a wholesome adventure game. I've heard quite nice things about it. Um because it was like two quid and I was like oh okay I've heard this isn't a very long game but it's very poignant and very nice apparently Um, Mm. what I ended up buying instead of Horace uh, because it was on sale for like 90% off um, was Not Tonight Take Back Control Edition have you you seen this game at all? Uh, I will look it up now and uh, tell you yeah um, not, tonight. not tonight is a post-Brexit management game fusing uh, a time pressure RPG with a politically charged story where every decision matters. Will you join the resistance to fight the regime, or will you keep your head down in the hope that one day, or will be a, it will all be a distant memory? It yeah. seems like a. I mean, obviously, like it's taking the idea of like Brexit to the extreme and some of the behaviour we saw post-Brexit and kind of going, okay, wh- where does this lead, potentially? Like, what is the, the most dystopian view of this? And while I kind of don't really want to immerse myself in that, like, it seemed to be saying enough about Brexit and the state of the UK that I was like, well, it's like two quid. I'll give it a go. It seems quid, a lot yeah. like Papers, Please, if you remember that game mm. from a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah. Remember us talking about it, yeah. Uh, in in which, like in Papers, Please, you are 
you're operating a border between two countries and like people are trying to cross the border and you need to check their paperwork and every day new laws come into effect that essentially mean like, right, okay, you need to stamp this form, you need to stamp this form, you need to cross-reference this with this database and everything else. And in this game, it seems to be uh, as part of uh, Not Tonight, the idea is you're a bouncer on a nightclub and as yeah. as all of this unfurls and everything else, it seems like you are getting more of these laws passed that you need to check certain things against certain databases and all this other stuff. It seems very Papers, Please. I'm very curious mm. to see it. I'm very curious to see what the story is because unlike Papers, Please, where you're just showing up at this job and doing it day by day, there seems to be like sub-narratives of you living in an apartment block and like you can upgrade your apartment and you also talk to the residents who are living there who I imagine are probably not British and how all that mm -hmm. unfolds. So... I'll give it a go. It seemed it seemed quite dark. Right, but it cheap was like, enough, isn't it, to... it? Exactly. It was like cheap enough to go have a dabble. And I was like, okay, if I'm not in the right headspace to play this game, I will just let it go. But for now, I, I'll give it a play next week and let you know what I think. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear your verdict on it. Yeah, I think the Switch has become a really great place to play those Steam games that are a bit interesting. They say a lot of yeah. these Steam games seem to get brought to the Switch. Where they don't always to the other consoles. It's quite an interesting, fertile ground the Switch is for, for loads of unique, uh, usually PC-based uh, experiences. Yeah, I mean, like, that's how I ended up finding Say No More, to be honest with you. Because I'd heard yeah. someone review it on in its Steam incarnation. And I looked at the I looked on Steam and saw it was available for Mac. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll buy this, maybe. It. And then I saw it on the store. I was like, oh, brilliant. I'll grab this. <laughs> yeah. It's just there in the palm of your hands, right? Like that's the the beauty of the yeah. switch, and I think maybe why they get. And then a lot they're of these often games. they're often on sale as well, aren't they? So. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Which is it's perfect. I mean, I've been interested in Horace for a while, but it was only uh, once it <laughs> became cheaper that I decided to give it a go. But I would say, you know, knowing the length of it now, it's certainly worth uh, even the ten ninety nine it was originally. Yeah. I was thinking with you, Woods, when we were talking about uh, games there on the Switch, uh, you know, mostly uh, associated with Steam. There was one I played uh, a few weeks ago on the Lost podcast uh, that I talked about, uh, which I'm trying to recall the name of now. Uh, Paratopic, I think. Yeah, I remember talking Paratopic about this. is a narrative first-person game that can be completed uh, very quickly. Uh, but that's also an interesting one, and... Uh, I'd say if you can get that cheap enough, it's it's worth trying. I don't want to go into detail about it now, uh, but if you like that sort of uh, PlayStation 1, low-poly aesthetic, and you're into sort of mysteries, a sort of odd David Lynch-style uh, storytelling, then uh, Paratopic may just be something you, you might want to check out. Yeah, I wanted it... to mention it, because we totally... Uh, that got totally lost when we lost uh, recording that time. So. It did. I kind of went into it with uh, Rip Them Off as well, which I quite enjoyed, yeah. which is on thing. It's like a kind of like a, 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 a shopping tower defense <laughs> game. Oh, sorry. Is how I could yeah. really describe Rip Them Off. Um, yeah. it, it is interesting. It seemed. I like the aesthetic of it a lot. It's very like 1920s Mad Men style, but at the same time. I didn't end up going back to it after that podcast, so I can't really talk too much about it. And I played a game as well that I, I talked about in length because I was kind of 
enraptured by how weird it was that I told you that, like, obviously, like, living in Denmark now, I see a lot of, like, European comic, like, French of Italian origin that are absolutely everywhere. Like, every time you go to a second-hand market, because comics are so big in Denmark, or at least were in yeah. the 90s, that there was just a wealth of work. And it was the same when I've been to Paris, whenever I go to a Parisian comic mm. shop. There's just tons and tons of, like, Euro-style comics that have, like romance and sex as part of the plot but they're not the main thing it isn't just like it's not pornographic in its nature it's just like sexual interactions are kind of woven into these narratives and there was a yeah. game called Nirvana Pilot Yume which was like on sale on the Switch for less than a quid so I was like okay let's have a look at this because it was a the main gameplay was essentially you doing these run based kind of behind the car f0 style things yeah that to be fair the the gameplay there wasn't that great but the the narrative and everything else behind it reminded me so much of these european comics that i was like wow i wonder if that's where a lot of the people who would have created these comics in this day and age are going now into independent games the soundtrack on mm. that game though is fantastic though i recommend you checking that out at the very least but it was it mm. was an interesting game i was like oh, okay cool like this is where that vibe has gone to it's gone into video games into like visual novelty type things which is is interesting to see well going back to the pick and mix analogy that's very much what the switch is right now i think it's it's like those those unique experiences you can find lots of them and if i was to look at my switch and look at all those different games on there you know for example i got things like uh uh, a short hike and uh, Florence and Paratopic, as I mentioned, and Horace. You know, it's they're very rich, expect Gris as well. Very rich experiences, uh, very varied, and sometimes nice and short, so you can gobble yeah. them up uh, quickly. But yeah, I, I think Switch is very much that type of thing, isn't it? It's you pick a mix of gaming. It is with the, with the with the odd big first party Nintendo title uh, sprinkled in every now and again for a bit of yeah. meat for for a main course you you might nip it you might start to tuck in on something like maybe Pokemon Snap yeah exactly um so I I picked up a new Pokemon Snap as it's called There's oh no sorry like yes it's called it's subtitle. not called Pokemon Snap two. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's just called New Pokemon Snap, which is kind of funny. In typical Nintendo with. fashion, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a bit of a nightmare to find here in Denmark, if I'm honest. Like, really? Much like a lot of first-party Nintendo stuff, I we are hurting now that there is not a dedicated games retailer. I mean, obviously I could find it online, but I try to buy things locally when they come out for the sake of it. I ended up picking yeah. it up in BR, of all places, which is like a, a Danish toy chain. Oh, because yeah. they had 20% off everything in store. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> oh, no way. You got yeah. 20% off. So I got it 20% off. So I got it for 400 kroner, Tom, as opposed to 450-something. So that was, that was nice. Uh, okay, it's, it's, you know, it's around the £40 mark here in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Re re retailing at 50 but, you know, you can get it that little bit cheaper if, yeah. you, if you look around. Yeah, I actually picked it up a, a brief aside to talk about something that you and I sometimes talk about this podcast but haven't for a while i picked it up alongside um the pokemon trading card game battle academy and i don't know if you've seen that 
Essentially, what was that? Essentially, uh, really, uh, go on. It's like a it's a big box set. That's kind of like yes. an introduction to the Pokemon trading card game. It's that one, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of selling it like a board game type thing. Like this is a package that you can buy where you get everything you need to play the Pokemon card game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I picked that up because like I'd been curious to play it with my wife because I was just like, oh, like she's kind of gotten into Pokemon a little bit through Pokemon. Do you Go. know what? I as soon as you've mentioned that. I'm going to play Pokemon cards with my girlfriend. I think uh, long overdue. I'm going. I'm going to convince her. <laughs> yeah, but I mean this this thing. I right, miss playing it. Yeah, it is good. Like it's uh, it's all you need. Like for what you pay for it. Like it's it's about twenty. Probably about thirty quid. I reckon in the UK. It's um, it's three decks. So like three mm. pre-built decks. So like a hundred eighty cards. You get a really, really nice, like, solid board. Mm-hmm. And that's got all the rules on and whatever, the same as the mats you usually get in the starter decks. Oh, so and it's not like a, a piece of paper no, that you fold a, out. No, it's, it's an actual, solid. like, Monopoly yeah, board, you know, like a solid oh, yeah. card board. That's um, nice, yeah. It's got counters. It's got, like, a massive coin that, in all honesty, I was like, okay, this, this coin is way too big. I'm never going to use this coin while playing the game. But um, it's got rules and stuff as well. And the cool thing about the decks is, like, as the first game you guys can kind of play together, is it's got the first, the Pikachu deck and the Charizard deck have numbered cards. And the whole idea is that you can kind of play the game through with a walkthrough. And so, like, if you don't know how to play Pokemon trading cards, it'll, like, give you energies at nice spaces to keep the flow and, like, it's balanced between the two decks so there's no clear winner. It seems seems really cool. I see. It's a bringing new people into the game, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, like, that's why I guess it's all so cheap and everything else, you Mm. know, like, because if you look at the price of... They've done similar things. There was something I picked up a while ago. It was, like, a starter... Well, not the starter, not the classic starter yeah. deck, but it was a more modern variation where you get a couple of decks together and you do get the, the sort of play map, but not not in terms, not the same sort of quality that you're talking about. No, and that was the thing. Like I've seen, there's a a box now that they've got these V cards uh, that were like Blastoise and Venusaur V card, and I was just like, well, I mean, right. that's that's a cool idea, but at the same time, the Venusaur deck's probably better than the Blastoise deck because like of um type advantage well it's it's probably mixed up isn't it there's probably uh different types in there but yeah i assume so but i mean like putting the two v cards to be something that one is clearly better than the other one seems like a bit i don't know i don't know how that would yeah i don't know it must have been thought out (laughs) this seems like a much better experience anyway and i was like okay i'll i'll grab that interestingly the pokemon cards not 20 percent off in the store oh so you bought these together you went pokemon crazy at well, I, it's because the the game wasn't out on the shop shelf, and it wasn't anywhere I went. Like we went to Al Giganten or a couple of other places. You got that, that Pokemon Snap, and they says, "Yes, sir, we do." I, exactly. They were like, "Oh, let me look," <laughs> and they were like, "Oh, yeah, we have one." And I was like, "Oh, great, cool." <laughs> oh, that, yeah, also yeah, kind I'm of having that makes me a bit Straight sad that I was basket. the first yeah. person <laughs> who asked for it like late on a Saturday afternoon. But yeah, I was. Mm. I got it. It's all right. It it is very much what you would expect. Um, you play as a young trainer. You're on the Lentil Isles, uh, and you That's are a funny ha- ne- Lentil. Y- yes, Lentil. I I don't know. I I think it's supposed to be like a pun on lens because the professor's name is Mirror, and so I think everyone's got like a name that's kind of related somewhat to a camera, oh. like Lenticular. Maybe I don't know. There we go. Okay. 
Yeah, I was trying to think. It had something this food based thing. I'm trying to think of other Pokemon locations which are named after food, but the I mean, colors, Pallet Town. Pal- oh, it's Viridian. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cerulean. Cinnabar is kind of like Cinnamon. Uh, no, it's a colour, isn't it? I, I'm what? trying to stretch that too far. Um, Cinnabar? Anyway. What kind of colour is Cinnabar? I'm not <laughs> sure, actually, now that you've said that. I thought <laughs> I thought it was kind of like a cinnamon like orange-brown colour. It could be. It doesn't matter. We're talking about Pokemon Snap, not the other one. <laughs> I'm going to look it up now, Tom. You've put me on the spot. Um, so you're, you're the Pokemon photographer, there's a professor, there's a little thing you travel around in... Yeah, exactly. Very, very much the classic N64 formula. You are in the Neo 1, uh, a little pod thing on rails, and you are going on an island taking pictures of Pokemon. You use L1 to move the camera. You use the right, uh, you use the left stick to move the camera. You use the right stick to look around. Um, and you use L1 to zoom and you use A to take pictures. And that's generally how you start. And for the first hour or so, you do that. You go around the same track once in the day. You go around in the night. Uh, but the idea... That's different. Yeah, it is. Different and Pokemon it... come out at different times of day, yeah? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like in the day, you're going around this the starter track and there's Talos... And then in the night, yeah. there's Murkrows, because, of course, it's a dark Pokemon. And when mm. you go around in the day, there's a Hootoot asleep in a tree. But obviously, when it's uh. nighttime, the Hootoot is out, and it uses that. Obviously. I love a Hootoot. It, it, it's a real Hootoot, Tom Parry. Um, and I can't call the podcast this, because then there would be two Pokemon thumbnails in a row, and we can't have that. It, I know, last one wasn't... Oh, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. Gengar with a moustache. Um, the, the the whole game's nice. It's well-packaged. Everything looks kind of nice. It does feel a bit bare-bones, but, I mean, it is it is exactly what you would expect from Pokemon Snap. Like, by the end of the time playing it yesterday, after about an hour or so, I got apples. Or they're called something yeah. else, and they're like, oh, they're really soft and really light and really, like, don't worry it's about throwing throw them at a Pokemon. It's not going to hurt them the same way an apple would. But it is clearly the same, like, okay, you throw an apple or a Pokemon, some will get annoyed. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I threw screw, it their faces screw up, like they're in sort of some sort of agony because they've just had an apple thrown in their face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it's mainly, like, you know, you throw an apple and, like, the... I had a thing yesterday where I threw an apple and what? the Pichu yeah. like it was like yay an apple and I threw it at a Dotrio and it was like rah with all three yeah because or you can use them to get them angry or you can use them to sort of coax them towards something can't you yes like, uh, to get them cases... to interact with the environment if I remember yeah. it's been a few years since I played Pokemon Snap well like I was trying to lob an apple and a Magikarp. Because I was like, okay, well, this is clearly how I evolved this magic up into a Gyarados, is lob an apple yeah, yeah. at it. And it didn't quite work. But what was happening was I was throwing the, the apples into the lake, and then magic ups were, like, jumping out and, like, striking poses almost. And so I got interesting photos of those. I still mm, absolutely have no concept. idea how the scoring is done. Because, like, I'll take a photo that I think is better, like, aesthetically, no, than yeah. the previous things. And then I just get like less points. So there's um... it's very rigid, isn't it? It's like there's a system how that works. And yeah. even if the photo looks amazing, if it doesn't fit in that criteria, then it's going to get a low score. Yeah, and it's like um, 
how much does the Pokemon fill the frame is one of them. Which literally, like, as I was tuning on the nighttime track, there was a pincer. And I I quickly zoomed my camera to take a picture to register it to the photo decks, Mm. which is your photo-based Pokedex equivalent. And, like, I got really high points for it. Even though, like, none of... <laughs> you couldn't really tell it was a pincer. It was, like, a brown yeah. squadge and a bit well, of it sounds arm. like they've really stayed true to the original game, then. Yeah. In, like, a, not not a great way, to be honest Because I was, like... I took a really, really nice picture of some ducklets on water watching a Magikarp. And it didn't get as high as the photo that I'd taken with the ducklets, like, near a swan net. Is that yeah. what swan's called? Um, oh, I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not 100% sure. Well, as we, as our listeners know, after the first couple of generations, our, our knowledge is a bit hazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it... Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, just a very yeah. important question, Matthew. Does the professor have a voice and does he express gratitude when you take a good photo? Does he say, wonderful? It, it, he, I mean, he says something like, oh, great job, or whatever, but like it's not with the same flair and joie de vivre as uh, Professor Oak, unfortunately. It doesn't land those same notes, which is that, a shame. Cause it's oh, a different that, was, that was wonderful. It was one of my favourite things about the original Pokemon Snap. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, exactly. And I've even <laughs> seen a couple of people on like Twitter mourn the loss of Professor Oak's wonderfuls. Hopefully they'll patch that in in some DLC. Um, yeah, like, Professor I, Oak DLC, yes, please. I can't imagine that they won't do like those old courses as DLC. They must surely, like it can't be that much work. There's well, only four of them. Here's a question. Has Pokemon Snap ever been re-released? Was it on the Wii Virtual Console or the Wii U Virtual Console? I, I have You would know better than me, Tom Parry, because oh. I didn't really go in for a lot of that stuff. I don't think so. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, so it's great that people get to experience Pokemon Snap who don't have an N64. <laughs> yeah, um, do you know the, the best thing about this is, and I was actually looking on Amazon.jp before we started this, um, was there's a there's now an app. Matthew, what? can I interject for a moment? Sure. Pokemon Snap is on the Wii U store. Oh, okay, good. Thank God. There we go. Thank God for that, Tom Parry. <laughs> so um, you can, there are other ways to play the original. Okay. Um, right, if you've got a Wii U. <laughs> um, well, if you've got a Wii, I think it's also... Oh, no, you can't buy it on things on no. the Wii anymore, can you? No, you can't. So if you've got a Wii U, yes. Come on, everyone's got a Wii U. Uh, carry on. <laughs> greatest selling console of all time. Everyone's got three of them. Um, the... There's a thing that you can buy now, and apparently they've released the app generally for the Nintendo Switch, but obviously it's clearly tied into Pokemon Snap, is that there's now a Fujifilm printer that takes the Instax film, and you can uh, save screenshots from your Switch, hmm. and then there's a little QR code now, and you can get this, like... um. Fujifilm Instax printer for the Nintendo Switch app, and you scan the QR code... And uh, you can print your, your snaps of your Pokemon. And, in Japan, and then what happens then? You get them sent to you by post? Or? No, they print them. It's an Instax printer. It's like a Polaroid printer. You know, oh, you buy, have to buy yeah, a, you buy a the Instax printer. film for this physical printer. You put them in and it prints the photos out. 
Oh. Which I thought was neat. And can you do that with any screenshots you've taken on yes. Switch? Yes. Just Pokemon? Any. There's oh. like, they were showing things of like watching K.K. Slider concerts and whatever in the trailer I saw. But the thing is... Dead or Alive Extreme Volleyball. Exactly. If you wanted to do that, Tom, <laughs> you totally could. Um, the, the thing that I like, though, in Japan, is there's an exclusive like Pikachu skin thing you can put around the printer to make the printer look like Pikachu. And I was like, I'm going to have wow. me some thought... of that. Yeah, this sounds like a Matt Boyle accessory. I mean, to be fair, as someone who liked the blinking Game Boy camera and printer, it's definitely yeah. a Matt Boyle accessory. But it was also just a cool notion of like, oh, that's really neat. Because I've seen photo printers. Obviously, like new photo printers existed. You can get Bluetooth ones and they take like special like Kodak paper and whatever. And I was like, that seems like a faff because you can have to worry about the ink and everything else. And I was like... Oh, no, that's actually really cool that you can just buy, like, Instax film, which is, like, I don't know, about eight quid for a roll of ten. And uh, just plug so, that so in that's and print a whatever pol- you that's want a, What's that, like, uh, a Polaroid-type film? Um, so I don't really know what Instax film is. Right, Instax. So, oh, God, i got to go into a long, deep history. Polaroid, as you know, is an Instamatic camera. You take pictures with it. Yes. They come out in little squares. Obviously, Instagram is a riff on that, blah, 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 blah. Polaroid went away in the early 2000s. They did a lot of, like, the the eye pics and a lot of, like, smaller cameras that were trying to either, like, replicate the photo experience, like, photo stickers you got in Japan where you put quirky pictures over your friend's eyes and then print them out in small little printer rolls so you could stick them on your mobile phone or whatever. And they tried to also do this range of, like, Instamatic... Uh, printers the same way this thing is now, but they were trying to do this in the early 2000s when... I'm aware there have been more recent Polaroid cameras. Yes. So what happened was a company called The Impossible Project because the reason Polaroid went away was it became way too expensive to produce the film. They shut the last Polaroid studio down. And so some people who were avid Polaroid fans were like, no, we're not going to have this. We love Polaroid. We're going to make our own films. They did that. And for a long time, The Impossible... The Impossible Project was a thing where you could buy Polaroid film. It was quite expensive, though, because they were the only people doing it. And they also sold refurbed Polaroid cameras, which you could buy from their website. Oh, yeah. Very expensive. I yes. know places like Urban Outfitters played these refurbed... Uh... Polaroids. Sorry, sell these re- refurbed cameras. I'm always shocked at how much they cost. I mean, to be fair, like there is a as someone who collects Polaroid cameras, there is a market for pre-owned. Yeah, I I've got like <laughs> I've got like 50 Polaroids, mate. Do you not know this? I've always collected Polaroid cameras. Like this is no. a, this is the thing that even extends me collecting games. Like I had Polaroids when I was a kid. Um, so you're one of them guys. You created this Polaroid market, at least in part. Well, I mean, <laughs> yes, yes and no, because I've always loved the aesthetic of the camera. I yeah, I mean, cool. I would... we had one growing up. Yeah, yeah, my, me my too. parents had one. And at some point in my teenage years, I switched to an Instax because Fujifilm released their own version of a Polaroid, which the formatting was a rectangle instead of a square, like more of traditional photo format. Mm. They did that. And then at some point in the mid, uh, the mid noughties or late noughties into like the twenty tens, they yeah. released the Instax Mini, which is a very compact Instax camera. I have one over there, but I'm not going to go off very my. Very interested in this. And it it, it yeah. prints very small format photos. And now yeah, this has obviously yeah. proven there's a market for these things. I think Impossible Project purchased the name of Polaroid and so are releasing actual Polaroids again. But 
Yeah. While it is definitely the classic, I have a Stranger Things Polaroid uh, camera that I bought oh. because it was cheaper than buying an actual Polaroid and it was in a really nice dark blue and red. But um, the film for a Polaroid's about 20, 25 quid, depending on which size of film you buy, whereas the Instax ones are still about a tenner. So I finally got so, an Instax yesterday. If you had an Instax camera as opposed to an Instax printer, yes. the camera also prints the pictures, doesn't it? Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, like a Polaroid. Yeah, like a Polaroid. Would, would, you can use that with Pokemon Snap to get pictures. You cannot use the camera, obviously. Oh, because it, you can't. Why not? It's not Bluetooth enabled, and there's an app required to use the printer. So Oh, so you need to buy a printer. You need to buy the printer to use Pokemon Snap. Unfortunately, like maybe there might be a realm where the, some of the more expensive Instaxes also have this feature, but I'm not sure. I haven't investigated yeah, that. Yeah, because the printer is more money than the camera. Yes, it is. Yeah, mm. but I guess because of this added functionality, and they they do have higher end cameras. There are like nice metal and leather cameras you can buy because the the general Instax is quite plastic. About seventy quid. Yeah, yeah. I picked one up yesterday actually for twenty second hand, so you you can get lucky with them. They've been around enough now that you can kind of like find them on the second hand market too. I, I think that's pretty cool because if it's that physical. Um, photos, I think, still pretty important. And I, I think looking through a photo um, album is always nicer than looking through photos on a phone, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, hey, like I, uh, before Christmas, lost some family members, and only now we're starting to go through those physical photos. And it's really mm. nice to see, not only obviously like the the chain of like family members growing up, but just like you find out things about family members through physical photo pack photos and having these artifacts of them that you didn't know about them and it sparks conversation and stuff in a way that so, I don't think having them on a phone does so that's kind of why I'm yeah, getting Yeah, so if I had an Instax printer I could print any picture off my phone Yes mm. So this is actually a bit off topic This is massively <laughs> to off topic but I'm, I'm passionate about Polaroids <laughs> and the history of it so I, I'm happy to talk yeah. about it but yeah because of that there's essentially now a new game boy printer for the nintendo switch i for one i'm definitely going to bloody buy one because it sounds cool and it comes in a pikachu skin so oh marvelous so 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 it's a bit of thumbs up then for pokemon snap um, you don't I think mean, it um changes things up radically i don't think it changes things up radically i think it looks nice um like i said it feels a bit like a budget nintendo title if i'm totally honest like there's not that there's not fully voice acted because I'd put English on because my wife wanted to watch me play it. And I was like, well, I would have put Japanese. But like, to be honest, with you, the VO is so unimportant because there's like maybe ev- it does that thing that games did for like Wind Waker where like maybe someone will say like something at the start of a sentence like, oh, and then all <laughs> the rest of it in text. You know what I mean? It feels like an N64 yeah. game, which is weird to f- play on the Switch. But so it, don't it expect it to be a radical improvement other than perhaps the graphics. Yeah, exactly. It looks really nice. Right. Obviously, it's got newer generations of Pokemon in it as well. Um, How, it what also gens has... are we, are we talking about here? Is it is it more than just uh, Gen 2? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Like it's got, Yeah, okay. The, I don't think it goes as far as Sword and Shield. Not that I've seen ah, yet anyway. I saw Meganium. Everyone's favourite Meganium on the cover, yeah. which uh, shocked me somewhat because... 
He's def- not the most popular. <laughs> I wouldn't no, say. right. Okay, so the the thing is with the Meganium, I've already discovered why that's on the cover like an hour into the game, so it's not really spoilers, but kind of like spoilers, is that there are special photo shoots with Pokemon called Illumines Pokemon, uh-huh. which are pretty pretty much like shiny Pokemon. I guess maybe Nintendo are trying to be like, oh, yeah. oh let's, let's have another brand of Pokemon we can put into Pokemon Go. And what they do is essentially when you're on these night shoots, you discover these Illumines Pokemon, and when you take a picture of one or get into the area where one is, you get the option to go and do a photo shoot with just that one Pokemon in an environment. Okay. And they glow, yeah. obviously, so they look really pretty in the night, and they've got like a luminescence around them and stuff. And Meganium is the first one of those you encounter in the game. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, I like the Pokemon because I have a have the place in my Pokemon nostalgia. Yeah. Because I started with Chikorita and Pokemon Silver. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at this and I'm just looking at the Wikipedia article right now and reading how it was developed by Bandai Namco Studios. So oh, it's not HAL Labs. Yeah, it's not. I mean, does HAL even exist? I guess it HAL does, does exist. I, I mean, HAL okay. put out. Um, HAL did the original. Part time UFO that you were playing nearly oh, weeks ago. Yes. Well, part time UFO is a must play game, by the way. Yeah. Um, Bandai Namco Studios developed it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not the first time because didn't they must have been responsible for the Pokémon tournament? I think so. Yeah. That's actually yeah, I saw they, some they article that did Pokken, essentially yeah. said because of Pokémon tournament they got the ability to do this game. So. Yeah. Well, Pokémon tournament is high quality product, so you know they yeah. prove they can deliver. Well, of course they can. The Bandai Namco. <laughs> yeah. They have quite a good track record. I mean, you know, but they also... We don't really see a lot of the Bandai Namco games that are done under the Ban Presto thing, which are very much just like shovel. No, well, I'm titles. just going off the fighting games. I'm going off SoCal I mean, and Tekken. The Tales games and everything else. Like, Bandai Namco does produce some good games. And Pac-Man. They, they've they've oh, I mean, uh, of course. delivered a lot of good Pac-Man over the years. Kept that franchise nice and fresh. Yep. Oh great! So I think I might actually I might pick it up if I haven't if I hadn't bought these Dragon Ball figures today. Uh, I have to watch my pennies. I mean, you know, don't buy Dragon Ball figures. That's all I've got to say on the matter. Like, <laughs> I don't buy many of them. Matthew. I I I can't. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I I don't have that many things that I'm like, oh my god, I absolutely need now. I d- in terms I of like, figures. I don't either, but. Come on, I got a Spike Spiegel figure there that's pretty cool. Well, that's pretty nifty. I mean, to be for, to be fair, I've I kind of been eyeing up a couple of um, Roman Zoro figures for um, yeah. from One Piece since that. Since I got into One Piece, I've been like, oh, it would be cool to have a Zoro figure. But at the I same time, possible figures. I just Sorry, don't. <laughs> I just don't need them, Tom. Like the th- my thing no, is with no, figures. No, no, but good to have on your desk, and when you're in a meeting, it's something to something Fiddle to with. play with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I honestly, I just fiddle with a minifigure or like some bricks or whatever. Like that's my my fiddle thing. Or maybe I've got this little wooden rabbit because Scandinavia and Denmark has a tradition of wooden toys. I play I play with the rabbit because it's just I can oh, just spin it around. It's not it's not it's nothing I, I'm yeah, likely it to break. Really matter. Yeah. what it is but these things are nice to look at as well so. yeah i mean i used to have little transformers on my desk and i used to transform those like mini cons but uh yeah, yeah. that was when i actually had a, a desk that wasn't in my house so funny games there we go 
lovely episode of tangents here, but uh, we hope you've enjoyed. Yeah, I think fingers crossed you have. <laughs> I think we're coming to pretty much the end. Unless there's anything else you want to uh, add, Matt? No, uh, nothing my end. Um, like I said, uh, play some of those games you've mentioned. They're all good. I, I did actually, mm. one last purchase that I, I did make that obviously I haven't talked about, I did pick up um, Near Replicant. Oh, God. I'm... Ah, that came out. Yeah, yes. it did. So did R-Type Final 2 as well. It did, yeah, and I saw it. I was like, oh, I should buy that. I was like, oh, but I I said to the wife that I was going to buy Pokemon Snap and then we could play it together, so I didn't. But yeah, I yeah. bought Near Replicant version 1.22474487139 dot dot well, dot. Um, I know near is near and dear to you. So. It is. Annoyingly, I had to buy it from Germany because I literally could not buy it in Denmark. I have actually, I since picking this up, I did put myself down on the, the waiting list to see if there was any more of the limited editions they did because I think it looks beautiful. Uh, it comes mm-hmm. with a lot of um, script books and a soundtrack and everything else. And to be honest with you, like I the aesthetic it. of Nia and like a lot of the graphic design stuff around Nia really appeals to me. It's very yeah, clean, yeah. very like off white, very cool, with very nice illustration. I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get that if I can. But at the same time, like it's not something I need. So I no, see. you want to play the game. That's what it's. Yeah, so I I will about, play it, it, but uh, at the same time, it's you know it, it's a game that I really enjoy. And I I will play it again. I, I it's it's really interesting to see people on Twitter who've been playing it for the first time, go like, oh my god! All oh, right, they've not re- played. Yeah, the they previous didn't play. It this on is the, the same. What? It's the same story from a different perspective. Or? No. So essentially, what happened Sorry. was, yeah, we go can on. we can kind of touch on it a little bit. I won't get too in deep. I won't give you a whole history of Nier the way I did about Polaroids. Essentially, in Japan, there were two versions of Nier released: one called Nier Replicant, one called Nier Gestalt. And essentially what that means is the player character you're playing as is different. Uh, in Near Replicant, you were the brother of the little girl. And in Near Gestalt, you were the father of the girl. And they kind they released the version with the father, but kind of mashed in some of the storylines from Near Replicant. So this is now what I believe they've done, is they've remastered that original PlayStation 3 game that didn't come out outside of Japan. And then the That's opposite what it is. mashed the other stuff back into it. Oh, okay. I just thought it would be close to uh, Automata, or Automator, or however you say it. Um, I thought it was that, but no, it's before that. No, exactly. And the oh God, I haven't talked about this anywhere. I, I want to, so sorry for delaying this podcast a little bit longer. Like, if you look at the front of this, right? Like, this very much looks, looks like, like the, near the Automata, doesn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I saw, I saw a, I saw a fucking marketing thumbnail going around for this the other day. Like, you know, when you're scrolling through a video games website or on YouTube, you see a sidebar that's like an animated GIF of the game, like in trailer yeah. form, and like the top right corner of it said. Uh, and play the play the prequel to Near Automata, and I was just like, "What is Sonic One the prequel to Sonic Two? It's such a weird way of phrasing it. It's just like, okay. why don't you say play the original Near? Like, play, same play. Well, the... It goes with what people know, and people don't know the original Near, and they know Automata, don't they? Yeah, so... I guess so. But it just felt so strange to be like, pray. Play the prequel. I was like, it's not. I mean, yeah. Don't get me so wrong. So it's like the original Nier game, but from another character's 
it is the original Experience. it is the original Nia game. It is the original oh. Nia game that was released in Japan. It's just with a different lo- character. Yeah, but when they localized it here, they changed yeah. the character. They used the character from the other version. There were two versions of the game released in Japan. Oh, it's a bit confusing. Yeah, it is. But like, so it's the same game. It is. is. That one that it came is out the on exact PS3 same game that came out here on the Xbox 360. Well, that's just mind blowing because that's a good game. Yeah. I'm not saying this wouldn't have been a good game if it wasn't that, but I didn't know that it was that. It is that, but it, instead of playing as the girl's father, you're playing as her brother, which I guess perhaps puts it slightly closer to the original, uh, the idea of like 9S and 2B in Nier Automata. But like, it, it is the same game. It is just Nier, but like, by calling it Nier Replicant, I guess they're probably trying to cash in on the idea that See, people they, they think could it's have gone there yeah you would think near um remake or near re-release or near remastered i don't know yeah exactly i don't know could we know that game as near just near yeah but like near oh, replicant okay. is the japanese game and i guess they like i said a people who are into near i think know what it is and I think those. Well, who... I didn't. I guess I wasn't into it enough. Those... <laughs> I'm not. I haven't played them through like you are. Yeah, but I, this is what I was going to say. Those who aren't following it as closely as someone like myself, who's quite passionate about it, are just going to yeah. think it's a new Nia game. And I think perhaps they're banking on that a little bit. But it. Oh from, yeah. From yeah. what I hear, it is like a polished version of a 360 game. Which, to be honest with you. Even for a 360 game, it feels like a late era PS2 game. So I'm very curious well, with, to see what well... it plays. There was, was there any difference between the PS3 and 360 versions of Nier? No. Okay. They are the same, same right. game. Um, like Fair I said, enough. in Japan, two versions of it, but they boiled them into one mm. and then released that in the West. It is the same Was game. it released? Here's a question for Was it released on the 360 in Japan as well? I That I don't know. I would mm. imagine so because it came up pretty early into the 360 lifespan. I always think of it as a 360 game. I don't know. I mean, over here it definitely is, but I mean, in Japan, I think it's more a PS3 game. Mm. Marvellous. Okay, cool. I think that's given the the listeners a bit of food for thought if they're they're into Nier or... Yeah. And they know a bit more about it. Wow. Um, We've given you... uh, Good overview of uh, Pokemon Snap as well. And uh, the history we've of done our duty, cameras. We've we? sold you a Fujifilm printer, maybe. Yeah. Like yeah. We've done our duty this week. We, we've delivered. We have. I mean, this is what happens when both of us are, you know, well-rested. And uh, we we have some stuff to talk about. We've played some video games. <laughs> not just Final Fantasy XIV. Like how we're surprised that our podcast, you know, hmm, it's not bad. I mean, you know, some, let's let's be honest. Sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, we did a really good podcast this week. Sometimes you're you like, know, hmm, maybe we didn't. But, yeah, thank I you tried for listening. To advertise, I tried to advertise the podcast a bit on uh, VG Collect, on yeah. the forums there. And I think it's had quite a few views, you know, at least 13 last time I checked. Not a single comment. No, oh, mate. Uh, but I was I was like doing it along with Blast Process, saying I do these couple of things, you know, I co-host yeah. this podcast, Tom Matt Attack, you might want to check that out. I do these videos for a channel called uh, Blast Process. Hey, go on, give it a look if you, if you fancy. Yeah. No, just people like chatting on there about I've got this, I've got that. That, um, oh God. That well, is... that, there is, that's probably the main proportion of comments on there. I know there's other stuff. There's some actually quite yeah. good conversations going on on those forums. But yeah, a lot of it is 
Just bragging rights, isn't it? Well, I, I mean, like, that's the retro collect Discord is kind of the same thing where I tend to hang out. Is like, it, it, there's lots of chat rooms, there's lots of general discussions going on about video games and what people are playing and stuff. But it's done in a very free flowing, obviously, like, instant messenger way because it's Discord. But a lot of the conversations are around, like, hey, this is my collection. Hey, this is my thing. And, like, a lot of the, a lot of the Game Guy groups that i'm a part of on facebook now are very much that too where it's just like i will see one person post the same post across like six groups i'm in it's like look i paid 400 pound for a game boy and it's like cool <laughs> like i don't i don't understand it i don't get it ah no i don't get this sort of i've spent a lot of money thing no because that's essentially all you've done the things are readily available you've not found something incredibly um sometimes you've not found anything incredibly special i mean you've just you know bought a load of stuff if you, know? you wanna if you, occasionally i will still make that post of like oh my god look what i found for a fiver but like well yeah fair enough it's fair enough but i <laughs> so there was a comment recently and uh that I, that I read i have 53 open copy vita get physical vita games 11 sealed physical copies and way over 100 digital games i lost count so this was on a video that i yeah. posted about my vita collection and you know well done to the guy that's fine um yeah. but uh, i i really i really don't know I don't know how he manages to store uh, over 100 digital games on a very expensive uh, proprietary uh, memory card. Well, but... you don't, Tom, because you leave them in the cloud like every regular person does. <laughs> You're the only one who does I this. I don't know. I, I I think, I think you know, I just don't get it myself. Yeah. I, hey, like, we have... This is the thing, right? Like, we have... We have massive games collections, and like, well, yeah, we we can't really say that. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, like we, I, hey, to me, we... when I read that though, when I read comments like that, it's like it's about how many I own. It's yeah. like the numbers. It's numbers game. Um, whereas you know, it's more like it's a byproduct, isn't it, of yeah. being passionate about video games and wanting to play all this stuff that you end up with large collections. Uh, I don't like the sort of like, oh, I've got so many thousand. Um, I'm great kind of deal. Well, I mean, like, I, I see but... this all the time. Like, I'll go to I'll go to a flea market and people will just buy any old tat. And I'm like, I've seen it a couple of times where I've been in flea markets where either people are trying to, like, flip the games, which is why they're buying them to see the value of them, or you can just tell there's a certain kind of person I'll see at different flea markets who's just buying everything just to have stuff. And I'm like... Mm. I, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, like, I used to be that way in that if I saw something interesting, like a roll cage for the PS1, or I would be like, okay, what the hell is this? I've never seen this before, I'm going to buy it and see what it is. But even now, I've gone past that to the point where I will, if I see something interesting in a flea market, I will at least Google to see what it is first, and go like, okay, is this any good? Or is this even a genre you're interested in playing? You know? oh, I just completely ignore racing games now. Like, there was a point in time where I would pick up racing games if they look cool. I love racing games. I know you do, but, like, for me, it holds no appeal. So I, I stopped <laughs> buying them. Like RPGs for me. Exactly. Like, and, but well, there's honestly, some appeal there. There's some, but we just talked about Nier. And, uh, anyway, <laughs> but so this, this is a rant we like to yeah. go on every now and again. But we the, will wrap the podcast up now. The point, the point being, though, like, I... I say this to to everyone out there, and I, I say this time and time again. Almost, I, I almost start. I almost filmed a satirical video about this the other day for the channel because I I got so annoyed with 
going, I logged onto Facebook for the first time in like a week, and all I saw were the same three people posting six same posts on these different things. And I was like, oh god, like this used to be a, this used to be about a celebration of games and like playing, and all people want to just say is like, look, I bought these things, and it's like that doesn't that doesn't do anything like play the games enjoy them experience them like the same way you should read books and films and try and enrich yourself through art in general like don't just buy stuff for the sake of it i love to start seeing that people's photos of their libraries you know i hear that's a thing man book talk is a thing like okay so maybe we see that sometimes on um on these interviews on the news for example and you get someone sitting in front of a bookcase who's like I haven't read any of these. Yeah, but look at I look clever because I'm sitting in front of a bookcase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've read them all. It made me incredibly knowledgeable about the world, and yeah, yeah. It's just like just play stuff, experience things. Like mediums should you should reflect on them. You shouldn't just consume them, and I certainly just shouldn't buy them for the sake of having more of stuff. Like that's late capitalism at its finest. But just don't. You don't need to do that. Like, it is perfectly acceptable for you to have a video game collection, which is, like, 20 games, if they are 20 games you really like and really want to play. That's all I feel I need to say, is that when I see people's Absolutely, collections... Absolutely, you know. And, and like, then maybe you sell those 20 games to buy another 20 games. Yeah, you, know? you don't have to keep them. Like, it, it, there's no... But, you know, people like me, you look at them and think, you know, if I wanted to play it in the future... <laughs> I have it, or for me, often actually, it's it's like multiplayer games, you know. Yeah. And it, I always like prepared for. There's got to be games I want to play to begin with, but it's nice to say, you know what, we can play Mario Kart Double Dash now because, you know, I have that and it's a good game. Yeah, but I, honestly, like I've gotten to the point now where I feel like almost like a paralysis around having games mm. because I like I have way too many. I would like to sell them, but at the same time, that's a lot of time and effort to do that and to do the research and to figure out what stuff is worth. And also, like, I mm. want to make sure that I get a decent price for the things I have if I am going to sell them because I know I'm not going to mm. buy them again at that price. And it's like, ugh, I just don't want to deal with it. Like, that's why that's why I have so many games. Like, it's gone to the point where I think in a few years I will just sell 90% of what I own, I think, mm. that isn't Game Boy. Well, we've been doing this podcast for a few years and I think you've been saying the same thing. <laughs> no, and this is the thing. It really annoys me, honestly. Like it's it's one of those things where I just have too much stuff, and I need to get rid of it at some point. And you live in a house, not a flat. I do live in a house, yeah. But I mean, this house is also full. Like that's the thing. It's like it shouldn't mm, be this. There full. you go. That says, oh, you filled up a house. I could probably fill up a house, but luckily I have some storage. Yeah, for now, Tom Parry. Until you get a house. For now, and, like, and, oh, look at this. And, until my parents say to me, uh, you know what? Kind of like, can you get rid of this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you get this shit out of our house, please? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, thanks for listening. We're going to wrap up now, but uh, yeah, we're very passionate about this uh, subject, hence why we uh, we spoke for at length about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, if you have liked this podcast, uh, you can find us in a variety of places. Uh, we're on Twitter. I'm at uh, Game Boyle. Tom's at TM. At, uh, Tom Parry 11. We are both collectively at TMA Cast. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Tom and Matt Attack. Um, mm. You can listen to it in a variety of places such as blastprocess.com. We're on Tom and Matt Attack.com forward slash podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. While you're there, give us cheeky rate, subscribe, etc., etc. 
And yeah, I, I if you are in the UK, I hope you're having a wonderful bank holiday weekend uh, tomorrow when you're listening to this. So if you're not listening to it on Sunday when it comes out. And yeah, be sure, as always, uh, to game on. Game on. Game on.